Welcome to Practically Pastoring, a podcast by pastors for pastors who want to share ideas, become better shepherds, and have a good time with friends. I am your host, Frank Gill, all the way up in now the very pleasant Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, my friend, all the way in Baltimore, Maryland, is Jeff Simpson. Hey, hey. Down in Sumter, South Carolina, we have Delmar Pete. Hello there. And together, streaming in Safety Harbor, Florida, Andrew Larson. That's me. And Timothy Miller. Go Jags. Now, <laughs> Timothy, I got, we're going to talk about the sleeveless shirt. I got to talk about sure. the mustache. I'm going to talk about how my covenant eyes went off when I looked at your Instagram story. The we'll talk about it in a second. Is it, is it the Minshew mustache? Is that what it is? Called? It is. It is, it is okay. the Minshew mustache. Yeah. But before we do that, there's a special. Shorts. Shorts. We have a special guest on the show today. Um, his name is James Clydens. Did I say that right? Correct. Yes, correct. You did. J- James, you, you're sitting in the show with us. Um, uh, I don't want to say why you're sitting on the show with us, but you're sitting in the show with That's us. Fine. We're going to talk. We're going to you're going to engage in the conversation. It does have to do with sitting. <laughs> um, but I, I found I found you on the Internet earlier this week and um, I instantly gave you a follow, a like. And uh, I shared it in a group text with us. And then Jeff was like, oh, he doesn't live too far from me. I'm going to reach out to him. And now you're on the show. And so we're just going to hold off and explain. Okay, pause. This all happened in like a day and a half. Literally, it was so fast. Like last night. Yeah. So um, this on the this show, we make it the happen. Internet fellas. is amazing. It's yeah, amazing. Yes, it and uh, and listen, I, I know this is a long form podcast. We're basically Christian Joe Rogan, but you're going to want to stay. <laughs> That's to a, such a high bar. Like, oh, thanks. Yeah. We're, oh my God. Yeah. Trump and Biden are going to debate on practically pastoring. So I heard. Uh, oh, now that would be awesome. Okay, so so we're going to have <laughs> James. We're going to explain why you're on the show and what was the 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 breaking of my internet in a, in a few moments at the end, towards the end of the show in our main segment. But, but let's talk. So, so, so Tim, um, yeah. I know, Andrew, I know you might be in mourning the Buccaneers with all the prophecies with the Gronk and Brady and it was all the dream stuff, team. You guys, I mean, you guys, I, I watched it too from a, from a cheesecake factory. Uh, Terrible. We were terrible. <laughs> like it was not fun to watch. The first quarter, I was so jazzed. There were moments. There, there were moments of brilliance, yep. and I thought this is going to work. We have a forty-three-year-old quarterback who's trying to prove a point. When he scored that rushing touchdown, my wife's like, "Why are you so excited?" I'm like, "Do you realize how old this guy is?" Yep. He is so old, man. And for he a football is. Player. But to be fair, you're still that close. Like this, you could turn this oh, around no. so like, fast. It was one. One bad penalty, yeah. Uh, of miss, you know, the r- bad route on the one interception. Um, and the other interception is he's got the arm strength of a 43 year old who thinks he has the arm strength of a 33 year old. Yep, but the, the Buccaneers well, is, is the Cleveland Browns of the southeast. I mean, okay. it's just like, no, don't, don't give us that. We're well, gonna be better than the Falcons and better than the Panthers. New but, Orleans, but is you're the 20, you're the 2019 Browns where the expectations were so, expectations so were high. <laughs> I would say we pooped the bed, but talking about the Browns, you can't talk about pooping anymore. No. Otherwise, no, we're not you gonna, know. We're not going to go there. Yeah, we're not going but there. But can we say show. that Baker Mayfield has some of the best commercials on TV right now? Every time his commercial they comes on, my hilarious. son grabs me to make sure I am watching because they just get him. My son thinks they that they are the funniest commercials man. ever. Them and you know, Geico are killing it's it. It's right one now. thing to lose when you're expected to win, but the feeling of winning when you're expected, and not just expected, but told by everyone you know, you will not win, you cannot win, you're tanking the season. 
something just consumed me yesterday during that game. It was almost a a moment of, of vindication where I never lost hope. I just was scared to say I had hope because everyone told me not to have hope. And I lost all control in front of my entire family. And my wife was recording me and I had no idea. But in your defense, and your wife no said, yes, he lost his shirt as well. But your wife and sister-in-law were messaging that your brother was doing the exact same thing. Which, hey, man, kudos to you for weightlifting because you look pretty good, though. I mean, of all the of all the pastors here to take their shirt off. There's I no would, chance I'm doing it. I, I actually, <laughs> I felt like he was like, you know, flexing on us. Like, yeah, this is what Beach Body does, and That's, you know, oh Beach Body. Hey, so Jacksonville did great. Also, um, this is the, the one the Ravens did great. The one yeah, they did. The, um, Cam Newton rushed for 75 yards as the new Patriots uh, quarterback, and that that's kind of fun mo- to watch. That's the most rushing yards by a quarterback in in New England history. But his Wakanda uh, forever. I mean, I, I had chills watching that. I'm really excited for Cam. I'm really excited for. Um, it was weird seeing him in the New England shirt, though. <laughs> oh my gosh, Dell! <laughs> if you're if you're if you're watching, uh, if you're not watching the podcast, you're missing oh some gosh, uh, some great stuff. Del, hey. that is that is some skill right there, man. Yeah, hey, I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to contribute, guys. But I'm trying I, to contribute. Uh, that is great. I, I appreciate the uh, the sleeveless shirt, the Jacksonville pride, the mustache. Dude, are you gonna like? Sh- are you shaving before Sunday? So I didn't. I did not take a razor to it on purpose. So there's a little bit of a five o'clock shadow that you might not be able to see on camera. But m- my wife was almost in tears this morning when I came out of the bathroom, and she saw what I had done. But I like how I did not. It was n- no the opposite. Oh. I didn't take a razor to it in honor of her because it will. It will go back. It'll go back in just a couple. It's days. It's ridiculous. Tim shaves, and three days later, he has a full beard. And it makes it hurts my feelings. Frank, yours is looking good, buddy. It's coming Dude, back I, this is me getting ahead on no shave November. Like that's <laughs> that's it. Yeah, if if I start now, I might have a mustache by the end of November. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like our special guest could could rock the, Dude, it's the thick, full man. on homeless beard. Yeah. I mean, beard. honestly, yes. I, I all right. Full disclosure: I I just met you what eight minutes ago, and by your <laughs> yes. by your appearance, I've already judged you theologically. I'm really curious to see. Wow. So okay. so Del, I'm just saying, Del, 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 I'm just saying Del, this is not how we welcome people. Del. Come on, man. <laughs> I, oh no, no, I, I like what I see. Okay, oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so James, just James, just you're here. You're here. Um, we're glad you're here. So uh, clearly. Um, you live somewhere in the Baltimore area. So where right. where in that area do you live? I live in Dundalk, the armpit of Baltimore. The arm- <laughs> Ooh, I live really close fragrance. to the armpit of South Carolina. <laughs> Listen, Lansdowne might take you might take a run for you. Well, we have Baltimore the, uh, County. We have the sewage factory Ooh, near us. Me. So, and you, you go into ba- Baltimore, D- Dundalk, you literally smell yeah. feces. All right, that's yeah, what happens. That's true. <laughs> yeah, there's some. <laughs> all right, good. It's, it's awesome. It's John's in Dundalk. It's in Essex. It's across the but bridge. But it's close. All right, though, right? All right. So good. Enough, so good. enough with the insider talk. That's boring. All right. Um. So wow. so uh, are you, cancel culture. <laughs> what um? What's your role at your church? I'm the lead pastor at our church. And what's the name of your church? A uh, Freedom Baptist Church. We're in Dundalk, Freedom. Maryland. Yes. Yep. Um. So can you disappoint Delmar and tell him what kind of Baptist you are? Oof, we're independent. Uh, we're an okay. independent Baptist church. Um, we're uh, not I, not IFB independent. Hold on, I was no, about to say no, like like sixteen eleven King James. I used Ooh, to be part of that people. realm, and my now people. those people have kind of disowned me uh, mm. for many different reasons. So uh, they have disowned me, and I've kind of gotten called you bought out some CDs, didn't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they found out that I listened to Chris Tomlin. That's what it is. Yeah, the country <laughs> album. The country yeah, album. <laughs> no, 
they they don't like some of my stance on some things, but that's cool. They can have whatever opinion they want. They're just wrong. No, I'm playing. Uh, they, they can have whatever opinion they want. Um, so we're independent. Uh, we're really we're kind of, I guess, affiliated with the BBF uh, based out of BBC in Springfield, Missouri. I guess you could say that. We're not really denominational, but we have a, a fellowship, which essentially is a denomination with a really with a non-denominational name. More so. like a network. Exactly. Yeah. What you'd call it. So are you from are you from here? No, I'm from uh, everywhere. Uh, I'm from uh, Anderson, Indiana. I lived in uh, Carroll, Michigan. That's near Flint, Michigan for a while. Uh, then we moved down to Chicagoland where I met my wife oh. uh, of eight years. And then I'm from, I'm from Rockford. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. Then we moved down to Springfield, Missouri for a couple of years. And then, uh, then I got some random call from a pastor saying, hey, James, we can't pay you nothing. You want to come be my associate? And I said, sure. So we moved my family from Springfield to Baltimore. And he left and nice. he's in Delaware. And now I'm the senior pastor of the church. And they can actually pay you now? They can actually pay me now. Right, I got a right, hey, hey, that's, that's good. Enough that's to nice. live in Dundalk, so. Exactly. Right. So like, like $10,000 a year. It's awesome. <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to ask you um, uh, three random questions that we didn't prepare you for. And I want you to just answer from the gut truth so we can get to know you. What right. is um, uh, the best TV show or movie you watched during the pandemic? Ooh, see, I'm a huge Walking Dead fan. So uh, I've, I've been watched that series like three times since pan also the office, which is uh, a big fan always, favorite. Always good. Favorite. So are you a fan of how they handle Rick? I got to ask. No, not at all. Okay. Okay. We're all, all. We could be friends. We could be friends. Okay. <laughs> not at all. So. I mean, basically when they started the Negan uh, storyline, I got really disinterested because they killed off one of my favorite characters. Glenn. Yeah. And, um, and, Spoiler alert. and literally the next episode, <laughs> yeah, thanks. The next episode, they jumped the shark by having a, a, a pet tiger, and I was like, "What? What's happening yeah. right now? Like this is this is." Well, see, but it's also that zombie. Plays Negan, which is kind of a weird type thing. So, <laughs> hey, you just you're a pastor that cosplays, which is getting very very close to how we met, and so we'll talk about that <laughs> in, a, in a second. Okay, so that's the first one. Um, the second thing is this. Um, it, your so Jeff right before we got on told me about this amazing part of Baltimore where there's like a bunch of different restaurants from I different. Didn't like, say it was amazing. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's this part of town where there's a bunch of different like ethnically diverse restaurants and it's like the shopping center where I just got Popeyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just said it's amazing. There's like there's a pho place. There's a couple taco places that are really good. There's a Latin market. There's a Sonic. And it's like that's there's everything America. you could want. Yeah, that's for the Americans. So, so um, you're driving down a busy road. There are um, every fast food restaurant America has. What's the place you're going to go to? Is is am I alone in my car? Or am I with my wife? <laughs> you're alone in your car. <laughs> okay, alone in my car. If fast food uh, probably has to be Wendy's. Mm, so okay, get that four for four. Didn't expect Break that one. No, four for four. That's Gotta go for the Baconator. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a thousand calories in one sandwich. I love calories it. I love it. Wendy's. I love it. Right. I wish. You might as well. I do wish. It. All right. Um. And okay. So let's 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 ask one more meaningful. Let's ask a meaningful question. Um. There is a, a theologian or a pastor you get to have um, a lunch with um, after a conference or something. You get to have a, a lunch with any pastor or theologian. In history? Dead or alive. In okay, history, yeah. I'll, I'll throw in history, yeah. Um, who would it be? Charles Spurgeon, no doubt. Okay, yeah, he's cool. All right, I like it. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Can I show my dude something? Hopefully it doesn't screw my camera up. 
Okay, stay with me, guys. Stay with me. Why are you showing off everything? Just, Come on, no, 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 no. I'm not showing off. His, his he's got me excited. I like your office, okay. though. Yeah, beautiful. That right oh, there? Oh, I see it. Oh, look at that. Yeah. All right. That's, oh. that's a handwritten um, piece of Charles Spurgeon's manuscript. Wow. wow I love that. When I was that's at this cool. church for three years, my best friend uh, found out how to purchase Charles Spurgeon's actual manuscript. And like, if the church is burning down, that's what I'm running in to get. So I feel you that on multiple awesome. levels with that. That is awesome. That's cool. Not that Switchfoot cover behind you? <laughs> <laughs> John Foreman's still alive. I can get him to sign That's another true. one. <laughs> I have seen handwritten A.W. Tozer notes at the national office of my denomination. It was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, they're like laminated. Well, this was fun. Uh, James, I'm glad you're here. Please um, don't be shy. Interact with all the conversations that we're going to have. Um, and I look forward to the main discussion because um, literally – when Jeff said that you're coming on to the show, I got giddy. This is probably one of the, more, <laughs> the most exciting shows I've been a part of because it's just a funny story. I had the um, same reaction as Tim did for his football team. <laughs> Jeff took his shirt off. He's yeah, like, I'm James is coming on the yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So uh, we have some uh, two really cool clergy cliff notes that um, that our buddies Andrew and Tim are, are both going to share. But Andrew, go first. I would love to hear your clergy cliff note. So typically when we are doing the clergy cliff notes, it's uh, here's an article that I read in some reputable news source. And that's not saying that this is not, this is a, a blog post somehow, you know, three or four years ago when uh, I was putting my resume up, when I found myself here at safety Harbor church, um, I got signed up for the email list from chemistry staffing. I don't know if you guys have ever worked with any of these search organizations. And so um I still regularly get emails from these people. I always feel like someone at church is going to find out that I'm getting emails from the church <laughs> staffing websites <laughs> and think that I'm leaving. And this one was a link to their blog post entitled how to know when it's time to go before you stay too long. So I was reading this thinking, Oh, I hope nobody, hope nobody's <laughs> checking where the, uh, you know, yeah. web traffic is going. Hey, don't, don't print week. a copy of this and leave it on your desk. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, basically, it, it was a blog post, and it was like a link to, hey, here's a free 65-page ebook for us to send you more stuff. But it was just kind of fascinating because it was this idea of so many pastors are leaving right now, you know, because of the pandemic. Um, you know, it's the idea of I had this 10-year plan, plan, but now everything has changed. Hey, I never set up a camera in the back of the room to record myself, and now I'm being recorded every week, and other people are, are stumbling upon it, and I'm being asked to interview for this, that, or the other, or someone's retiring, whatever it may be. But it was really just a blog post and then a 65-page, how do you know when it is time to leave? And instead of just kind of rehashing what, what they've written over there, um, I just thought it'd be interesting. You know, all of us here have made somewhat recent transitions. About three and a half years ago, I moved from a 15-year career in student ministry into a lead pastor position. And I think that's kind of very similar to a lot of our stories. You know, Jeff moved from student and worship into a lead pastor position. And so when do you know it's time to to make that jump? When, did you, when do you think, if ever, the time is coming where you might move on beyond where you're at right now? And what are some signs that you're going to be looking for um, that you're hoping to help you discern when it's time to make moves in the future. So for me, it's um, I, I have a Holy Spirit that its voice sounds a whole lot like my wife's. It's funny how that works. And there's a whole lot of discernment that comes from from her. 
And with every big move we've made, she's kind of had the, you know, I think it might be time to think about something. And then within three or four months, the writing seems to be on the wall that she's right. So I don't know where you guys are, but what, uh, what do you look for when it's time to go? Or what do you look for as signs or validation that it's time to start thinking about something? Uh, a couple of things that come to my mind as, as I saw this cliff note earlier, I actually just sat down with a pastor 20 minutes from me. He is in line to become the next campus pastor at a mega church in our area. And he walked in and resigned last week. And uh, I, I sat down with him last week and we were talking about like, how did you know? And, and some, a lot of some similarities that I saw going between him and even myself as I moved here. And I'll just quick bullet point them. I think one of the number one ways that I can say that's kind of easier, um, it's not easier, but it's easier to tell if you notice a conviction shift. And what I mean is like the conviction shift of your church is not in alignment to your convictions. Um, and that's where my friend sat. Like the church is making some, some decisions at a very high level that he is not at peace about. And if you can't be on board with the vision and mission of your church, the only other thing you can be is a troublemaker. <laughs> so um, he he decided to leave peaceably, which really um, brings in to an, another thing that I really had thought. And and this this is not this ain't out the Bible. So I'm just saying, but this is totally out of my life. Um, what I've noticed is that. Um, when God starts to wean me off of a ministry, and I've even seen this in other people's lives, people who don't move, they end up getting bitter. Like, like um, I served at a parachurch organization for a few years a while back, and about six months before I left, God was very clearly directing my heart to leave, and I said, no, I can work it out. In that six-month period, I became bitter. And I should have just left. So I will say, like, if anyone's listening and you're really – struggling with whether God is calling me, I like really work through that. Because if not, I think what ends up gets happening is like a shell and that shell gets filled with bitterness. Um, one of the way, the main ways that I knew that it was my time to go, um, was I checked my vision and I realized like I still had some vision for what could be in my student ministry, but I also noticed that God was giving me a vision for where I'm at now. Like he was giving me a vision for how, how this thing can be. And then I realized really quick, wow, like he has moved me off of the vision caster for the ministry that I was. And how many times have we seen ministers um, get in their ministry? Everything gets humming, it gets rolling, and all of a sudden complacency sets in. And, and it's because like they don't have any vision anymore. Um, so as soon as I started to feel like that vision wall where it's like, God, why aren't you giving me this? Like you've been giving me good stuff for 15 years. You know, I was like, there's a reason for that. So when I do, I really just crank it in to four areas and I just spend time in this. And uh, first of all, as I go to scripture, because God's never going to have me go contrary to that. Um, I go to him in prayer. And then uh, I ask godly people in my life who I trust, who will push back on me and aren't just the like, go get them people. But the people who be like, Dale, you kind of suck at some things. You might not should do this. Um, and then I look at providence and I, not like, oh, God, I'm going to look for a sign. But I think there are some times when God does, like if he's opening a door, he's also going to put a path to the door. You know, so um, those are some kind of ways that this worked out in me as far as how I knew when to leave. 
I think something to look out for in your own soul, and you touched on this a little bit, Dale, and we've talked about this before when it comes to being a student pastor or even a worship pastor or just an associate pastor or whatever. Um, when you start to notice that you are constantly thinking about how it's you against everyone else wow. or you and like a little group of people against everyone else, um, one of two things has to change. Either you, it's like you have to go or your perspective has to completely change, which God can do. Uh, and so I would just say, begin praying to that end. And then if it becomes clear that um, this is a convictional thing that's not going to change in you, then I think, you know, like you said, Dell, so that you don't become a troublemaker and for the, the best of the church, then it's time to begin to think about like what could be next. Well, the worst thing we can do is not listen to the Holy Spirit's leading. That's the worst thing you can do for your ministry. Yeah. You know, the Bible teaches, you know, multitude of counselors. There is safety. You know, talk to your counselors. If you feel God's leading you somewhere. I mean, I think we all should agree, we all agree that we should have men of God who are older and more experienced than us that give us advice and give us direction. And I think it's important to consult those people and just be blunt, honest with them. I don't know if this is where God wants me. And then they can direct us and help us through those feelings. I think we have to be careful, too, because we have that uh, that grass is always greener type field. Yes. Yeah. And yes. when we, we come up against a wall and we think, you know, it's going to be it's probably not going to be like this at every church. But the truth is, there's going to be issues no matter what church you're at. So for me, <clears throat> I've never I've never put a resume out. Um, I've been at my my church for coming up on, a, on 11 years now. So this is a I, I wouldn't know how to approach this issue, honestly, right now. I just I've, I've never had the thought of seriously leaving my currently my current ministry setting. There was one church that reached out to me like six years ago and we had a discussion, but it didn't get much further than that. But for me, whenever there gets to be that feeling inside of me, like there's a wall or I'm coming up against something more often than not, that's what that is. I'm there's, there's, there's something there. That's just, I'm having to fight against. And then I lean on the Lord and then I realize I I'm not, I'm looking for a way out. And I need to be looking to him for a way through it. And that's what kind of happens in a lot of, a lot of ways. So I, I feel for the guys that bounce from place to place to place um, because I, I've seen the benefits of long-term ministry mm -hmm. and the fruit of being in one spot for, for more than 18 months. And I, I anytime I, I talk or counsel with, with a guy about moving on, I always want to make sure that they're, that this really is something they, they want, they desire that, that God wants for them, or are they just coming up against something they want a way out? Well, I think there's kind of like the the red flag. If you get someone's resume and they have, you know, they're they're 40 years old and they've got eight churches listed on their resume, you go, "Ooh. Right. That's uh, you know, that's that's bizarro when the church I served at previously, I felt like I had to justify to them like, "Well, you know, I was at this church right out of college and, you know, I bounced around, but that's because I moved from here to there to go to seminary and then I had an internship in seminary and then a full-time position." And so but I think if you've established yourself in your career and you've got this long track, track record of I'm here for three years and then I leave, I'm here for three years and then I leave, I think that's going to raise some eyebrows. But statistically speaking, most, most people in ministry have about three big post-education career changes that they make. And whether that's moving from a, a, a specific role into a broader role and then from a you know one size church to a bigger church but statistically peeping i can speak statistically peeping i'm freestyling guys We're professionals really there you go i talk for a living statistically speaking most people have three big 
career moves in them. And most churches, when they're looking to hire, they want someone between 30 and 40 with about 30 to 40 years of experience. So they want, you know, we're all kind of coming to that point where, you know, I'm, I'm 38 next month. I'm the old man in this group. And at some point the phone's going to ring and it's, it's weird to think about because we're not planning on anything. You know, we're hoping to be here for forever, but you read articles and blog posts like that. And of course it's coming from a church staffing agency and they make their money by people changing <laughs> jobs. True. So, so that's like going to a car dealership and be like, I want to keep my car forever. Like, well, most people need a new car eventually. Um, but hmm. I think it's, it, you know, Tim's in a very unique circumstance where he went from youth pastor to senior pastor at the first church that ever hired him. That's not where most of us are going to end up. Right. And it's, he's like a young man the, named Timothy in the Bible that I remember. He is like a young man named Timothy. His mom and grandma fight over his circumcision. It's really weird. <laughs> it's, <laughs> wow. There we go. Man, Statistically that. That peeping. Was, wow. That was well done. <laughs> that was, yeah. Oh, can I, can I say something? You may, you could push back on it. It may provide some, this is coming from my own woundedness as well. Um, I think one of the things I would encourage ministers to realize when they're thinking about moving is do not forget you are a covenant member of that church. Yep. Mm, that's good. Like, please don't cheat on your church. Yeah. Like I, I had wow. someone today, uh, I won't give too much information, but, but came into my own office. They said, Oh, during COVID um, we, we don't go to church because we're scared of COVID. And I've been trying to be their pastor in the middle of that. They came in here today for the last month or so. They've been visiting another church and they're like, we're going to be moving our membership. And, and my response was, it would have been nice to know we were going through a separation. Wow. You know, because um, that can be a blow. And I know a lot of pastors, just given the nature of our culture, it's always, well, pastors are the leaders. They're the leaders. How do leaders make transition? You're also a covenant member in that family. And like when they find out that you've been talking to another church like that, how you handle that is everything. I realize people listening right now, you found yourself in situations. I know one pastor went and talked to another church, let his senior pastor know to be ethical. And the senior pastor's like, well, you can just go if you're going to talk to somebody else. So that's attention to manage. But please, whatever you do, like keep that in your heart. Like, God, whatever you're pushing me. Please don't allow my heart to go there and cheat on them. Allow for it to be a transition. I would say with that, Dell, like um, one one piece of advice I got, I don't know, a long time ago was a guy just said, just always keep doing just the next right thing. And I think when you're thinking about transitions and what you're talking about, Dell, is really important because there's kind of a, I don't know, I, I've experienced kind of an unwritten culture of almost too much business savvy kind of getting into, you know, kind of getting into the church and where it's like, if a member is doing what you talked about, we're frustrated about it. But if we're talking to another church for three months and we're, we don't tell anybody, and then we're just going to get up on a Sunday and announce I'm resigning in two weeks and I've already got another job, like that's okay. And it's a tough one, man. It's a tough one because I came from like a super toxic situation before this. So I could have totally, seen myself doing that. But I just think like, there's a way to, like you said, there's a tension there, but there's a way to exercise trusting in the Lord and just do the next right thing. And if, and if, you know, you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and he's saying, Hey, you need to tell the senior pastor and you're thinking, but he might just fire me. 
He might, but just do the next right thing and trust God because cool stuff happens when you do that. Um, and so I just like, don't try to hedge your bets. Um, you know, especially, I mean, don't hedge your bets with the Lord's bride, you know, absolutely. you're charged with shepherding and caring, not with using it as a tool to get a better job. So I, so I want to give a little pushback to what Andrew said earlier. The only, my only pushback is this, um, uh, especially like people who are like youth pastors, they are just like a commodity in ministry. It, it feels like it. You know what I'm saying? So when I, I, I saw someone on Twitter say something like, I don't trust uh, a youth pastor who has, who their longest job has been three years or something. And my thing is, it's like, it's sometimes that's not their choice. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes like the way churches treat youth pastors, especially there's such a commodity that like they need to get out of there because they're treated like garbage. And then when they get to another church, they're like danced around the ball. And then once they're actually there, they're treated like garbage again. And so it's like, sometimes when I look at a person's resume, it's not the person that I'm like faulting. It's like the way churches treat um, lower level employees. Right. So, so that's my only pushback to that. I know that's not your intention, Andrew. I I know. I've worked at big churches that are very much plug and play. I, I, yeah. I, anytime you're at a church and the only person whose name is on the website is the senior pastor, I think, ooh, run, yeah, run far and run fast, yep, because that means that everybody else in the, you know, you might as well be a starting forward next to LeBron James. You are interchangeable, and they will, you know, move you in and out, and they, yeah. I, so I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah, and and, and certainly. There are there are divas in ministry who are just trying to f- like like literally like that. My um some business guy told me the best way to get a raise is to quit your job, and like literally just like you know f- keep finding new jobs and slowly they'll incrementally get more money. There's definitely people who do that, and they're not great, right? But uh, I will say that like I think everyone said really good reasons to leave, and I think I would like resonate a lot with your list, Delmar, of the steps you said. I will say that like when I left i've only had so you know andrew you said three big career moves i've only served at three churches since i graduated from college and um and every time i left the two previous churches it wasn't so much of a conviction shift as much as it was like there was big change happening and so i had to constantly ask myself is this me not liking change because i don't like change or if the, is this something that like I feel like there's something sinful or wrong happening here, and those that's a tension that's hard to even figure out when you're in the middle of it, because like a lot of times when change is happening, you feel like this is terrible, but it's also probably because you're just used to how it was and it's inconvenient now, and but it's like it's not a big philosophical change. You just have to turn in your receipts differently. Right. So like <laughs> it's, it's stuff like that, that like you have to wrestle with. And, and I'm a big proponent of like, tr- if there's something that needs to be changed in your church. So like I've, t- I've talked about this before. It's like, I was at a church where I felt like there was like some soft racism and like people, like if you were a person of color, you felt kind of like dismissed in the church and stuff like that. And I feel like, well, I'm a person of color on staff. Maybe I can help be the change the church needs. And after two years of not seeing that, I was like, all right, there's nothing I can do here. You know what I'm saying? And that's when I was like, all right, maybe it's time for me to move. Right. But like, um, 
there's like there's situations like that where it's like how can you be the change that you want to see in your church versus like something's inconvenient i'm gonna go put my resume out right and i think like sometimes like whether this uh, this website i'm not gonna say its name because no one said it yet but like whatever it's the staffing sites like they want i feel like sometimes they want you to feel that tension because yeah. like you said they get paid to move you along at the same time there's been some staffing people at some staffing sites that like have told like me or i've heard them tell other people please stay at your job yeah like there's some so, so like not all church staffing people are like multi-level marketers trying to make money like there's some really good dudes <laughs> out there and some good women out there but um but like uh Man, there, there's such a um, – I think, Tim, you said this earlier. There's such this idea of that grass is greener, and I think it's because – especially now because you know with COVID, we can see everyone's church and what's going on. It's like, dude, have do you not have an Instagram? We can all make things up. Like we can all crop what you want – we want people to see. Like I like – I know I can preach a good sermon on camera. I might not be wearing pants right now, right? So like, so like, I can make you believe whatever I want you to believe about my church. Um, and I think that's the deception that I think we sometimes fall to. It's like, man, if I was able to get to California or Atlanta or Nashville and get to that church, it's like none of this or is Safety real. Harbor, yeah. <laughs> or see the 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 the, the, the gem. Yeah. The gem of Pinellas County? What is it? The, the jewel of Pinellas County? The jewel yeah. of Tampa Bay. Yeah. The jewel of Tampa Bay. But, like, I think there's this, like, deception of, like, the, the grass is greener. And, dude, like, men or women who are listening to this, that is just – it's not true in ministry. Like, wherever you're going to be at, there's going to be tons of time where it's going to suck. Partly because wherever you're going to be at is where you're at. Yes. <laughs> and so. a lot of times the leaving – us leaving is oftentimes the cure, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like this is how I leave. And one of the things I would definitely want to leave us before we even move conversation is that old saying, there's an ounce of prevention is worth the more than a pound of the cure. And, and for those of us who are, who are interviewing or going to be entering that space, find out what's broken about this church before you go to it. You know, it's like, because no church is perfect and you need to find out where the spaces are, where you may have tension before you even go. Um, before I came here, I called the pre one of the previous youth pastors. I was like, listen, tell me what's up. He's at a uh, second Baptist down in, uh, Texas right now. And I was like, Hey, tell me about the church. I want to know the good and the bad. So you need to know what you're getting into. Just like any dating relationship. You don't want to get married. What about the, you, you've, you've done marital counseling with the couples who've never fought before. <laughs> you know, Dumbo, just, wonderful. so Dumbo, you just said an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound, a pound of the of cure. The cure. So you saying are saying here. when COVID-19 vaccine comes out, you will be the first one to get it right. <laughs> hey, uh, Tim, I'm saying I Tim, don't mind it. He's Tim. also, Del, Del is also saying that he called all of his wife's ex-boyfriends before That's they started dating. That is exactly what I heard. <laughs> See, I'm in South Carolina. If you fry a possum with 10 mushrooms, mix it with two beers, drink that, you don't get COVID. There you go. <laughs> yeah. wow. Dude, you say the most Southern stuff. I mean, yep, so dude, funny. I think if you, I mean, James knows, if you can breathe in Dundalk, you're probably fine. <laughs> hey, Tim, yep. Um, yep. we're going to keep this moving on theme going. I think you have a really good um, uh, clergy cliff note. Uh, can you share that with us? Yeah, I think many of you have probably already seen this because it was probably shared by a member of your congregation or it was shared by a fellow pastor in your network. Uh, a few weeks ago, Tom Rainer, Thom Rainer, Tom Thom, as I like to Thom. call him. Thom. 
Thomas. Thomas. Thomas S. Rayner himself put out an article called Six Reasons Your Pastor is About to Quit. Um, it's actually written to the, the layman, the layperson in your congregation. And in it, he, he outlines six reasons why he believes there's going to be a, a bit of a mass exodus of pastors leaving their pastorate duties, not, not, not walking away from the faith, but still being very much active participants in the faith, just no longer serving in the pastoral role. So I, I have a, a couple of angles I want to take with this. One is um, we're all pastors here. So do we sense this in our own networks? The, and the six uh, outline reasons are, number one, pastors are weary from the pandemic, just like everyone else. Number two, pastors are greatly discouraged about the fighting taking place among church members about post-quarantine church, masks or no masks, social check distancing or not, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Pastors are discouraged about losing members and attendance. Number four, pastors don't know if their churches will be able to support ministries financially in the future. Number five, criticisms against pastors have greatly increased. And number six, the workload for pastors has increased significantly. So the first topic I wanted to talk about was where, where are you at on these, these reasons for pastors leaving? Do you sense this in your own mm -hmm. ministry settings or with friends? Yeah, I read this article a couple um whatever how when it, probably when it was first put out and yeah just at the end of August yeah whenever it came out I end of August I read it and you know I saw some of this in my own life you know I saw some of this and I think it was important that I actually read this article because I was actually able to name what was going on and thereby able to process what was going on in my own life I mean I think all of our churches have people who have called you and said hey you should wear a mask you should require everyone to wear a mask in mm -hmm. church and then the very next phone call hey. No one should wear a mask at church because of dot, dot, dot. And then there's that infighting. And especially seeing everyone on Facebook, your own church member, your families, they're fighting each other about this kind of thing. And as a pastor, it can get discouraging. So being able to see a lot of this really helped be able to address it. Sometimes we have to address some of this stuff from the pulpit, maybe in a yeah. kind of a teaching education settings. And that's something I had to do at my church. Uh, I got up and say, dudes, just stop the fighting. It's not worth it. You know, there's no point in it. So I think that it's really important that we look at these and look in our own lives and figure out how we can process it. Otherwise, we're going to fall into. Well, and the, the infighting doesn't isn't helped. And I have no idea if you know this guy, but I know in Dundalk we had the the infamous tearing of the cease and desist order. Oh, Stacey Shiflett. He's about yeah. a mile down the road from me. <laughs> so, so that doesn't help. No, you know, the members infighting when that kind of stuff is happening. No, it does not at all. Yeah, because some pastors, some members want you to do the exact same right. thing. So and so is doing this. How come we're not? And then the others in this church are like, I can't believe he did that. And that just kind of right. further, you know, uh, the dude, dudes over in California, you know, MacArthur, uh, Treber and all those guys in California doing what they're doing. And it's, and you're not because you don't feel that's what God has for your church to do at this time. So I, I uh, the what is the number of five criticisms against pastors have increased significantly. So Jeff has recommended this book a couple of times and I've been I've, I, I've been actually listening to the audio book. It's called uh, Jesus and John Wayne. And I'm not trying to make I'm not trying to turn the conversation political, but there's a there's a statement that the author said in there. Everyone like, he's about to though. <laughs> now, I'm really, I'm really not. I want to but you understand what I'm saying with this. There's a statement in that book that has like really rattled me, and um, she says, um, uh, "Church, like the the authority of a pastor has been replaced by like um, 
evangelical leaders, like evangelicalism and um, and even like the news has replaced the authority of a pastor. So like you from the pulpit can make statements and say, this is where God is leading us. But the congregation can say, but another evangelical leader or what Fox News or, or whatever, whoever they're like listening to or in social media, like that is what's leading them with more authority than their own pastor. And I, and, and like, um, it's like, I would be lying to say like, man, COVID, I wouldn't say has like made me feel more weary, but it's definitely revealed to me the, the dependency I need to have on the Lord and say like, like, man, I can't do this without his strength because like, it's hard. And, and like Delma, you mentioned like people who I care about who are leaving the church because of reasons that I don't feel like are like enough reasons to leave a church. Like it's disheartening and it's tough. Um, and I think like, I, I appreciate Tom Rainer that writing this towards a layman person, but like, I think what, what you said, James, is like being able to to get the vocabulary of what we're feeling right now is going to be helpful because there's probably been a lot of pastors who are quitting and they just feel like they're burnt out. But what's actually happening is, is one of these six things is what's feeling that burnout. And it's they tough, man. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. And there's decision fatigue happening too. I mean, we're yes. making decisions in a normal world. Now it's like tripled. Uh, and I said this to a to a friend the other day. You know, I, I think for us in Maryland, we still have a lot of mandates and stuff in place. Um, you know, you have to wear a mask indoors everywhere. No, uh, avoid contact and all that stuff. And even when you're in Baltimore County in my County, when you're outside and you're less than six feet, you're supposed to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. So in one sense, I think Andrew, you said this before, but there's a sense in which right now it's not easy, but it's going to get harder and more complicated before it gets better when the mandates start to be lifted. And now it's just your decision to make. Um, that th there is no more like, well, it's a county, you know, executive order right now, or it's a statewide executive order. It's just going to be, this is what we feel. And I think the thing that is the most draining energy wise for me, um, is the grappling with how much of this, uh, is like my own preferences not happening and how much of this is me actually needing to lead, you know, like, how much of this is me just wanting to control what everybody does and they do what I want. So then I don't have to decide anything. And how much is me actually saying, okay, I'm the leader. I'm going to sit in this chair. Here's a decision we're going to make. You're adults. I can't control what you do, but this is what, you know, where we've said, we're going to, we're going to head and here's the way we're going to get there. And then kind of like lead people as that happens. That's, that's the part I'm having the most difficulty. Yeah, and I, I'll be honest with you last week, I, like I really felt the emotional draining on Friday and Saturday night. Uh, I slept really hard those nights because I was just like emotionally spent from having to have a couple of difficult conversations that I, I probably made bigger deals in my head beforehand. You know, I get anxious about them before they're going to happen you and then they that. happen and you get that let down. And, and I did that a few, two or three times in, in a couple of days and that it was just a lot, you know, I, um, confession, since we're kind of in this space, the week we started um, practically pastoring within that same week, I actually started going back to my counselor. Um, and, and as I read these things, man, that was, that was where I was at, like on all six. And, and I, I went back this past week and um, 
man, it's uh, I'm sitting in a much different place now. I'm not saying it's not going to be worse again, but you, when you do talk through this stuff, it does help. And uh, one of the things that I've come to realize is, is most, uh, especially if you're listening to this podcast and you're a pastor, chances are you have a drive, you know, like chances are like you're driven somewhat by performance. Um, but when we own that performance um, too much, and things aren't going the way that we think we should go, then we start owning everything. And that starts to be our identity is a failure. And uh, I want to give you guys a, a free source today. How you like that? A free Ooh, source, good. not just a resource, but a free source. You're so, um, you're so Baptist. I am, man. <laughs> I've got fix I've this got, word for you. And every every letter of free stands for something okay. too. <laughs> <laughs> but but seriously, um, on Amazon Prime right now, the book is free. Uh, it's called The Search for Significance by Robert McGee. Guys, I'm telling you, it will change your outlook on the pandemic whenever you start to find um, your significance outside of 100% outside of your ministry. And I think right now, like we have to get to where our ministry is our calling. We definitely should honor it. But like none of my significance comes from that. Uh, so I, I would encourage you guys because that's where I found myself. I carry the weight of this. Even today when I got gutted right over there in this same room by my congregant, like immediately um, I had to run to, okay, but that's not where my worth is. So uh, free, I, I would really encourage you. We could put that in the show notes as well. Dale, I think that's really good because it's kind of the second part of the uh, the question that I had here because i I discovered the article because two or three pastors in my network shared it on their personal Facebook feeds, and they started it with, I'm not one of these pastors, but some of you might be. And then if you go into their comments section, it was you know 150 comments on why they're the best pastor. And we love you, pastor, and you're so good and you're so great. I'm so sorry, pastor. You're working so hard right now. We love you. We love you. And it was because of those they're comments, I, I opted not to share the the article. So where, where do you land on... Okay, well, let's share this. But at the same time, in the back of your head, you know that if you share this, you are going to get every like, heart, comment of praise you could possibly get just by hitting that share button. As an as an Enneagram three, any compliment is well received. I don't you know just what give that it means. to me. As, as someone who's <laughs> just like, I, you know, I'm like the I'm like the 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 person on I, I post thirst traps on TikTok just to get people to like <laughs> like me and stuff, you know. Um, no, I'm just like, you're a savage. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think like, uh, I mean, yeah, if you're, if you're posting this to be like, yo, y'all should feel bad about how you're treating me. Then like, <laughs> I'm waiting till October for pastor appreciation month to post this. Oh, you get stuff on a pastor appreciation <laughs> stuff. No, I think like, um, I mean, I, 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 I think a lot of pastors, if not all pastors, are, are, are struggling with a lot of these things. And I think what Delmar said is like, yo, get into counseling. Like, there's like, if there's one thing you can keep hearing from this podcast is there's no shame in therapy or counseling. You not should, you should go get that checked out. But the second thing is this, and I think this is like a big reason why like we wanted to start practically pastoring is like get in community, like find a safe place to vent. And like, I mean, like, like, you know, our group text is like the safest place for us to be like, can I just talk about what just happened? <laughs> like, this is, it's difficult. And I think like, we need those safe places to vent because being a pastor is one of those weird professions where the, you, you can be friends with people who you work with, but sometimes you can't always share everything with who you work with. And so like, well, and part the, of it's because you, you work for them. 
in a sense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so like being able to have fr- being ha- being able to have friends who have who are not impressed by what you do and have no need for you in like in a pastoral relationship are like the greatest relationships. And that's why like if you're a pastor right now and you feel like relationally homeless, like come join our Facebook group. Like we we want you to be able to have that safe place. But um for five ninety nine a month you can subscribe to our group chat. Patreon. <laughs> okay. I like where this is you going. Can, uh, you can be a part of it. I got it. <laughs> so yeah. I would I would say with with the idea of sharing an article like this, I think self awareness and this came for me through counseling. Self awareness is a really big key because I know myself well enough to know and my insecurities well enough to know there is no chance I could share this article without it at least partially being about me hearing yep. you're great, we love you. So I'm just not. I just can't. I just can't. Well, as pastors, we're automatically given to pride all the time. Oh, you know, yeah. We want people to lift us up. It's just a natural sin that pastors struggle with. We have to deal with. So when we see something like that, we have to say, is this going to make me sin, essentially? Which Well, and this is why, I mean, in the, in the New Testament, we're told don't give somebody this role too early on in their yes. faith because they'll fall into the snare of the devil. Yep. So there has to be some maturity enough to ask that kind of self-awareness question. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. Self-awareness is one of the most precious things that you need to have as a pastor. It's like without it, like you're just going to keep falling on your face or putting your foot in your mouth. But self-awareness is such a rare quality to (laughs) see in so many guys and gals in ministry. And I I hate saying that, but I I find like Andrew and I have this conversation all the time when we see a post or we hear a story and we just think, wow, was there just no self-awareness? And what I, it's not, it's self-awareness. It's a lack of self-awareness and it's a lack of this right here too. True. Because they don't have anybody else that can just kick them in the pants and be like, you do realize how big of a douche you look like sharing that, right? Right. Like if you don't, if you don't have somebody in (laughs) your corner, who's that past, who like Frank, what you're saying, a relationship that is not, does not need to be a pastoral relationship. If you don't have someone who is, you know, at your life stage or your ministry stage, whatever, that has the freedom to call you out on your crap, why would you ever be self-aware? You right. need, you know, self-awareness starts with being awareness of, oh, here's how other people are perceived. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I might be perceived that way if I do that. So maybe I shouldn't do that. It's like when you're a worship pastor and the first time you hear a recording of yourself singing, that's like a level of self-awareness that you didn't want, but that needs to happen in, on a soul level as well. Yes. The first Andrew, time I ever heard about my voice right? on podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, he does. No, Delmar, um, do, you, do you want to share that book? You want to talk about that yeah, book? This book has changed my staff. Um, Emotional intelligence 2.0. Um, it's, it's, it's basically the whole idea of self-awareness is emotional intelligence. And interesting, unlike IQ, which you cannot change, emotional intelligence you can. Because simply by taking a minute and seeing how you come across or processing your feelings. And I, I don't want to sound all guru-y, but like a lot of times we just group our feelings into like this is a good feeling or a bad feeling. What this teaches is like, no, you're frustrated. That is a form of anger, a mild form. Why are you frustrated? It's not because the thing it's because you something buried deep in you. It's, it's kept me my mouth shut a lot and it's made me open my mouth when it shouldn't be. But I'm telling you, if you find that like you're in situations and, and you're boiling over easy or you're getting frustrated easy, or if there's conflict on multiple fronts in your life, chances are you have a place where you can afford to grow 
because um, if everyone around you the problem, you the you the problem sometimes. You know, so it's a great book. I, I, and sometimes, like just going through that process, sometimes it's a complicated answer. Like you got to do some soul work, and you got to. It's hard. Sometimes it's an easy answer. Like you got to sleep another couple hours a night. Mm-hmm. You know, that stuff will over time lead to some really difficult emotional issues, especially, and I'm speaking to mostly the guys here in your marriage with your wife. Like when you start to become short and you're a little angry with her over stuff, that's really not that big of a deal. There's something going on deeper than just uh, whatever made you be a little snippy. If I tell people, and I've told some pastors, this might get a little controversial. I'm not sure what everyone's feelings here are on this, but um, if you need to see a therapist, see a therapist, yeah. right? Get it dealt with. You know, we, that's been, and I'm even going to take a step further. See a therapist that doesn't sometimes go to church. Doesn't this, it's not big in a church because they don't have that bias of what they think a pastor should do. Right. Uh, and I, I took that step even during COVID and it's been life changing. This guy has no idea what to do with church work, but sometimes that ignorance kind of helps you see things more clearly to where they're, oh, this is what should be done. And you're thinking, yeah, that's what's supposed to be done. How did I not think about that? All right. Because you have everything else right here, but that clarity there kind of helps you see through. Now, of course, some people might not agree with the non-Christian therapist thing, but I think it's been... um. Well, how about this thing? Because I think this is fair. My counselor, um, he is bivocational. He's also a pastor. Oh, so awesome. I think I th- sometimes you can, you can lean away and get it, or you can lean all the way in because he's of able course. to like empathize with me and be like, yeah. yo, he gets the only stuff. reason you're, th- you're right. Yeah. The only reason you're thinking that is because you're in pastor mind. You need to snap out of that and snap into husband mind right now and get some clarity or something. Yeah. So, so to kind of put a bow tie on this conversation, I think like w- whether it's finding a counselor or a therapist, finding a community of friends that can empathize with you and can process with you and vent. But I think there might be also a place, and this is kind of like a more unique hybrid of the two, is is maybe finding a mentor, someone a little further along that like like can can know where you've been, but also speak into it from a place that again might not have any vested interest in like you as a pastor for them, but can speak into your life as a, kind of like a wise sage um, that w- that is kind of future down the line. This is awesome, guys. All right. Speaking of uh, leaving churches and maybe good reasons to leave a church, I want to get to our main segment. Um, <laughs> so, um, so I, I, uh, I met. I met James. I, I found James on this on this little app um, that the Chinese government is stealing our information on called TikTok. And so uh, I was on there and I, he was on my For You page and I never seen him before, but I think I saw in the caption something about pastor. And whenever I see another pastor on TikTok, I'm always intrigued to like, what content are we getting here? Is this going to be like uh, the one minute devotional where we just like have like some like kind of very surface level preachy thing or whatever? Or is this going to be just straight up like church memes, which I'm all for the church memes. I'm all for this like, you know, satire of the church or whatever. And I watched this <laughs> and I probably rewatched like a dozen times because I just kept processing what would I do in this situation. I immediately uh, copied the link for that TikTok, shared it in the group chat, and we all had a good laugh. And it just so happened that you lived in the same town as Jeff. That led to you guys having a conversation for you to be on the show. So I don't want to say anything else because this is an amazing story. Uh, James, can you share with us? 
Give us the full length in detail version. I can do that. See, (laughs) when you watch the TikTok, when you watch that, it seems like it was just a couple minutes. Oh. But this video (laughs) is actually about 25 minutes long, 30 minutes long, probably. Seriously? Yes. Wow. Just wait for it. I I was sitting in my office. Okay, hold on. He was starting to tell us the story before we hit record. And it was getting amazing. And I was like, stop, stop, stop. I want to hear this for the first time when we're live and recording. Yeah, it was. We, I was sitting in my office at the church. I was getting ready to leave, you know, just for the day, go home. And uh, I sh- shoved my phone in my back pocket, which is w- weird. I don't normally do that. It, usually my phone is in my bag that I have right here or in my side pocket or whatever. So I put it in my back pocket and I hop in my car and go home. And uh, on my way home, uh, I uh, I find a guy that uh, goes to my church, hasn't been there in quite a while. I stop, hey, bro, where you been? You know, why haven't you been at church, bro? You got to come back. Oh, man, we probably have a five, 10 minute conversation, not knowing that I had gone live in my back pocket <laughs> this whole time. So this whole time uh, on from, Facebook, on Facebook, yes, on Facebook, this whole time, uh, an audience has been brewing. Oh man! Oh, oh what, what's James? What's Pastor James doing? Or what's James oh, doing? He's gosh. he's live on Facebook, and oh, he oh. doesn't know. And everyone's laughing because I'm live. So they're having no a jolly old this, time in the comments. Yeah, jolly old is, time in the comments. This is before is this the, the church account or your account. This is my personal account. Okay. Praise the Lord! Right? Praise <laughs> oh the Lord. my gosh! Uh, so, <laughs> so I um I get home and I you know drop my bag. Hey, honey, give her a kiss. And I oh, man, you know what? After a long day at the office, man, you got to take a poop. You know, that's just what it is. And I go upstairs and like I said, by this time, it's been about 25 minutes of an audience gathering up about a hundred people watching this live video of just laughing that, uh, that I'm, I'm live and I have no idea that oh, I'm man. live. I have and no one's messaging you about right now. No, well, oh. people were, but for some reason I wasn't getting notification. Um, and, uh, so as we'll see in a little bit, my wife gets a message. Eventually, uh, I, I get upstairs, go to the bathroom, drop my pants, do my business as the camera's facing towards the ground. And, uh, you know, <laughs> every grunt, you know, they hear the plop, plop, plop. <laughs> and, uh, they so, hear- so to, to be fair, if you were on your phone while you pooped, this wouldn't have been a problem. Exactly. Oh my exactly. God. I thought, <laughs> Hey, you know what? So good. I love my wife. I got, I've been at work all day. I want to go to the bathroom real quick. Then come spend time with my wife. And not look at my phone. Exactly. Not look at my phone. So, which I should have done. So I get done, you know, I do my wiping business and then I, uh, I flush the toilet <laughs> over the live. And next thing I hear, James, I'm like, yeah, honey, you're live on Facebook. Your brother called my, my brother called my wife. And uh, he's, a, he's a famous TikTok teacher. He's got like 125,000 followers on oh. TikTok, Mr. Clydens. And he uh, calls my oh wife. My gosh, this is and, the uh, best story I've heard. And he's like, James is live on Facebook and he's pooping. And my wife's second hair embarrassment, a hand embarrassment, beat red, screaming for me. You're live on Facebook. I grab my phone. I look into my horror over 100 people. So now all these people get your face like, <laughs> Like this, <laughs> I end that so wow. quick, and I deleted it. In hindsight, I oh, wish I would have saved hindsight. it. Hindsight and, and just <laughs> saved the chat. Oh my! But because so many people on TikTok, TikTok are now like, "Hey, can you show the video?" And no, <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going to. But I could have posted something that uh, a, a chat log or something of what people saw. But oh, yes, log. Gosh. And, uh, <laughs> and I can't and get away mind, from it. Then my mindset goes to Sunday. Oh no. Because, you know, there are people. 
That's so awesome. There, there are oh, people my. in my church who were watching this. All right, there are a like, huge group of people, especially the boomers. Whenever the pastor goes live, they got to be on there cheering on the pastor. So now I'm thinking, oh man, they're cheering on me as I'm going poop and and uh, I uh, and uh, oh my, I get gosh. to church on Gosh. Sunday though, and to the, the from the grace of God, nobody mentions it. Not one person mentioned. I think was it was there just that awkward in the chairs or pews. They had I, to know. I mean, I couldn't tell because of the mask. So, oh, oh hey, <laughs> so no Stay one mentions it. It must have been that you know that awkward thing to where you know you know when someone walks on you in the bathroom and like you know you just never talk about it you just, again. You walk it out, kind of nod and just it just in the back of everyone's mind that this did happen. I think that's what happened. Praise the Lord uh, for that. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm impressed. Like the fact that you pooped without being on your phone is a, is a, is a level of meditation. I've never been a part of. Honestly, uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm really impressed with that. Uh, um, so I, have a, I don't I touch have, other people's phones. Just I, have yeah. a, I don't think I'm ever going to take my phone anywhere with me ever again. Yeah. That's a, that's a wise thought. Jeff. Yeah. I have a former student who was a, a psych major and her final paper was on you know, she went to a public library and charted people walking into the bathroom with a smartphone and people walking in without a smartphone in their hand. And it was like timing people, you know, that were going into the public restroom. And, you know, it was the comparison of how much longer people go into the bathroom when they're holding their phone when they walk in. Wow. wow. She got an A. She's, oh, that's she's awesome. Got a, Dude, the she's only got thing a, worse. She's got a doctorate now. Not no. that, but she has a doctorate the, now. The only thing worse I've seen, well, I'm sure there's more than things worse than your story, but. Have you guys seen that video? It was like a lady that was on a Zoom call for work and she was like on her laptop and she went into the bathroom and set the laptop down like on the counter and oh, went to yep. the bathroom and everybody, and there was like 30 people on the Zoom that's call. That's worse. Well, that's way worse. It was so bad. It was worse. so bad. Because these are your colleagues, oh, you know. These are God. you, know, you got to resign after <laughs> that. Yeah, you're done. Yeah, you're done. Jeff, Jeff, and I, we were texting last night about like, like, just the, when we think about what you went through, how we would just the anxiety we feel of like, like I would just like if something was seen, like if like if you just saw my upper thigh, I'd be FBI like on my door. Yeah, I'd be like, I'd you can like, catch charges from this. <laughs> honestly. I, I, I would just go in the next day and be like, I guess I'm resigning. No need to talk about it. I wouldn't it. even go in. I would just slip a paper under the door. <laughs> slip a letter it was under nice. the door. Go up to church on Sunday. Bye. They got a letter. The pastor's gone. Yeah. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> what What is it to talk about? Like, we're done here. You know? Wow. It, oh. It's it's crazy. So I guess I guess um, there's not much of a deep, meaningful conversation I want to have from this. It's just a, this is a great story. But This I guess is like, a story of incredible... 2020 internet connecting people. Yes. Yeah. Because like I literally saw his handle and was like Dundalk, my Dundalk. I'm going to see. And it was, and here yeah, we are so cool. live yeah. in person. Um, I guess, I guess. So no one has like said anything about it. Oh yes. Yeah. So people have said things about it. You no, know, they've messaged me and texted me just, you know, the laughy emoji, you know, ha ha ha. We saw you poop. We heard your poop type <laughs> thing, but, poop. But, but nothing like in person, you oh, know, man. maybe, maybe that respect to the passer is there to where they don't want to broach the subject. <laughs> if anything, <laughs> you have a wonderful sermon illustration now, man. Oh, That's no, also- in, in a couple years. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 There's a And then <laughs> I think I got, I think what's 10 years or something like that Sorry, for that I'm kind gonna... of thing. So I guess my question for everyone else is, has there, have you ever had like an embarrassing social media mistake that like 
you meant to text your wife and you put it on as a post or like 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 have you ever had something I like that? I have a brilliant one. So um one of my favorite things to do is when my wife's phone is unattended, I like to well, first of all, I like to change her background to a photo of shirtless Alec Baldwin from the eighties. Um that's one of my favorite things I like to do when my wife's phone is unattended. But then I also like to uh send myself some uh PG thirteen ish rated text messages from my wife's phone, uh, oh, le- no. saying, you know, hey <laughs> oh, husband, no. I know where I this am, is going. I am in the mood for amorous activities, um, that kind of thing. And so then I will reply to her when she's near her phone again. What's he talking about? Oh, and ha ha. So it's just something that I've done for forever. Well, about a year ago, mm. my wife was outside and I picked up her phone, and um, I was using Siri to text myself. And Siri confused my name with the name of somebody else from my wife's phone. And the person that my wife's phone texted was an elder in my church. Oh, oh, man. Oh, yes. So I was texting. So good. I was texting myself suggestive material from my wife's phone. And that text went to a female elder in our church who is close personal friends with my <laughs> wife like they're in a small group together <laughs> they're buddies Dude, some <laughs> hey listen somebody listening to this right now is feeling so vindicated that they're not the only weirdo and in the world so then <laughs> i had that i had to be like oh my goodness i am so sorry this is not melissa this is andrew then I, it's I, even I, weirder. Well, it's, well, it's, it's so weird. weird. But so that, On so many levels. That, that doesn't fix it. It just makes it, a different problem. And it's the fact that it's one of our female elders as well, which makes it weirder because now here's this text from her pastor. And then Melissa was like, I am so sorry. Sometimes he's just a boy. And her response was, that's okay. You know, they're, they never grow out of it. They're all like that all the time. Fear not. <laughs> wow. Uh, fair, you know, fair. She, she's, Thank God wow. she's gracious, man. Oh, yes. she's one of my favorite people on the planet but obviously now i wanted (laughs) i wanted to dig a hole and live in it yep it was so awkward see now they have that blackmail that message saved yeah (laughs) it's screenshot forever yep i i got a cell phone one um i was in newberry i was very much single and there was a girl at the college there her name was Kristen, and i was ready to go like on a date and uh, so I just I texted her doing everything I tell my students not to do. You know, I'm just texting her all day long. And uh, then I was finally was like, OK, I want to go out with I want to go on a date with this girl. So I just texted her. I said, hey, we should hang out sometime. And she's like, that'd be cool. And then, you know what? I said, no. When I talk to my students, I tell them they need to be men and they don't need to like skirt around it. They need to be direct to the point. So get out of that basement. Stop playing video games. <laughs> yep. Be say how man. you feel. You went all say Driscoll out there. <laughs> I yeah. did. I said, say how, how you feel. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. So that's where I was, man. I was like, all right, I'm going to talk to her. So I didn't call her. I should have. But uh, I just texted her. I said, hey, Kristen, I want to be very honest with you. I want to hang out with you, but I'm ready to be in a relationship. And this would be a date, right? And she didn't respond. And I was like, oh, guys, y'all sent that text out, right? Mm. Like, that's why you make the call. She didn't respond. Anyways, high risk, to, I, high reward. I had to go text. to church. I had to go to church because we had worship team practice that night. And uh, I go to church and I'm just kind of like sad because she never responded. 
I get to church and like all my students are there and one of them is just not talking to me. And I walked over to her and I'm like, are you going to like, is everything okay? Oh, no. Her name was Kristen. Oh, no. Oh, dude. Talking oh. about catching charges, man. Oh, no. See, that's worse. Actually, that's worse. Oh, my <laughs> I, gosh. I like very bluntly asked out a 15-year-old girl in oh, the youth group. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> How did you get like that? How did you get Okay, okay. I had been giving her whole family. She had another two sisters and a brother. I had been giving them guitar lessons for over a year at their house. Their dad was a beer drinking truck driver. Um, So, like, I was legitimately scared that they were going to be like, oh, what have you been hanging out at my house with my kids? So I just had to go to the family. Hey, listen. So pray for me because I am actually trying to ask out a Kristen, but but not your Kristen. (laughs) So, um, but I I will never like, I'll never forget the gut sink when I opened my phone and, and and Siri had messaged the wrong Kristen. Oh, Oh. Oh. like that gives me anxiety right now. The the only way I can explain to you maybe how it felt is if you actually watched that movie cuties on Netflix, that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. I'm just saying like how you would imagine you would feel that's how i felt (laughs) hey that's how i felt the the moral of the story i'm hearing is like siri is actively betraying why are you texting on siri anybody ever again (laughs) never true i mean that's what happened to james he said hey siri live stream right now and then (laughs) yep That's what's happening. It's a different kind of vlogging, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Just a couple days ago, you know, okay, so this happened, you know, this whole story of pooping last week and and then uh, and then just uh, he poops he he does poop regularly, but this story was last week. Yes. Yeah, yeah the story <laughs> uh, just Friday night, you know, if, if if the one story wasn't enough, uh, you know, I ate some bad beef and you know what men do. If you know we think it's bad, you know, we have to muscle it down and keep trying to eat it a little bit. You no, know, some bad beef and no, I had some vomiting issues that night. But anyways, I wanted to text my wife. I said, hey, honey, I'm throwing up like crazy. It's disgusting. It hurts. It's bad. I don't know what to do. Um, I look at my phone just immediately after I sent that text, and I send it to my treasurer of my, uh, of my church. So like, I'm vomiting and vomiting and vomiting. Send this huge couple texts long about this. I'm like, oh, my goodness. What did I just do? And they're going to take your phone away from you. They're going to take my phone away. But <laughs> yeah, that's, take my that's wife's probably phone away. wise. Just strike two. A month before, my wife wanted to text me something about her using the bathroom. Text me this. We're going to take both of her phones away. Like, oh, man, I got to go to the bathroom. Blah, blah, blah. This is funny stuff. And um, it calls me a bad name because I the toilet seat up. And not, not a bad name, but, you know, it calls yeah, me names because yeah. I the toilet seat up like everyone gets. She texted that to her, the treasurer's husband. So now the treasurer and her husband both have like blackmail texts of me wow. and my wife. Dude. Um, we just don't need to have Man, phones anymore. When you start nope. asking for raises, it's going to be rough on you. <laughs> and because they're the ones that decide the raise, okay? Yeah. The treasurer. <laughs> your church is going to be like, I'm taking this out of your benefits. You're not going to get money. You don't need anymore. a smartphone. You need a flip phone. So <laughs> I don't no. I don't have any stories like that where I've done something. The, the worst like embarrassing but also painful thing that I can think of right now that involves the bathroom is when I was a worship leader at a church in Orlando. It was a little bit bigger I can church. think of lots of painful things that involve the bathroom. <laughs> yes, three, four hundred people. Well, I was in the stall right before the service started. And as I got up to 
pull, you know, pull pants back up and get ready to walk into the service. When I stood up, I sliced my head open on the little coat hook oh, on the inside. Yeah. And like, dude, it was a it was a good gash on the top of my head to where at the end of the service I had like a little bit of dried blood coming down. It was it was pretty it was pretty crazy. What? But thankfully there was no social media or anything involved at the time, but it was like it was a big it was it was bad. Can can I ask you guys a question? All right, this just comes to my mind. What do you guys do like you're preaching and do minute hits? You got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I think we've all been there. Yes. I think we've all I, been I, there. Pucker, what do you do? Pucker up. <laughs> and yep. pray. And it pray in a... your mind. And figure out how to land the plane. Now, the the only time in my life I've ever had to, and it, it, was, it was not for that, um, I had a vasectomy on December 30th. Oh, and we're, we're just going. And this episode is so out of control. And was preaching on New Year's Day. That's Ooh, wait, and so, you need five days to recover, bro. Because Ooh. you plan I, around that. The, 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 the senior pastor that I was working for wow. at the time was in the process of retiring, and, and he. Oh. The, the vasectomy. Well, you were retiring well, too. Well, yeah. But, but so. For the first time in 48 hours, I did not have frozen vegetables in between two pairs of boxer shorts. And so I, I, that sermon was, I think, 21 minutes long. It just could not – I just couldn't stand anymore. I, like, oh. I, I had to go sit down. Wow. Like, after the benediction, I like went and laid down in the pew. I was like, oh. <laughs> Just stayed there. Yeah. If, you want, if, you want, if you want horror stories – I will continue oh to tell you oh my about God. that vasectomy when we are not recording. This is going to be known. This, I don't know what name this episode is going to have, but it's going to have a name that we call it later. Yeah. yeah. That episode. Yeah. Yeah. Six, six pastors fired because of a podcast. That's what's going to be called. Right. Um, hey, so here's, here's usually at the end of every show, um, I have a question of the day that we ask everybody. But rather, what I want to do today, a change of pace, is I want to ask a question to the listeners and the viewers of this podcast and next week we'll read some of them i want to hear from you what has been the most embarrassing kind of like social media flub that you had or like a text message mistake or something that you went through the best answers are going to get read next week on the show so if you, you can respond on facebook there'll be a thread there uh for you to um to to answer this or feel free to dm us on instagram um we we want to hear your best like social media like m- mistakes. If you went on live stream by mistake, I want to I want to hear from that. <laughs> James, th- this was spectacular, dude. I I am so glad. Hopefully, this is this is like your first introduction to our show. Hopefully, hopefully you can, you, you like everyone else can go in our back catalog of ten episodes and and listen to two bonus the episodes. The hey, James <laughs> episode. But this is a James episode. This is a this is James iconic, episode. man. Um, Dude, people on like sports talk radio are always like, "Hey, long time listener, first time caller." I don't know if anybody that's a, I had no idea your thing existed, and now I'm on the show. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, James, uh, if people wanted to find you or know more about you, where, where can they go? TikTok. Uh, you can go to TikTok and get all the embarrassing stories. That's a Freedom Dundalk. Uh, Freedom Dundalk. D U N D A L K. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Jay Clydens, and pretty much everything else is Jay Clydens. Um, but um, in, but TikTok is Freedom Dundalk. If you if you're interested, so I love it. I'll put all that in the show notes. You can find the links there, um, dude. Thank you so much. This is fun, and and we didn't I have really time to do it. 
maybe one day we can we can bring you back on or just have a side conversation about like if you're using TikTok for ministry because I have no idea how you would do that. Yeah, yeah, um, that's what I do. Yeah, I that that's it's it's. I mean, it's there's definitely an audience there. I just don't know how to do it. So we can, we should definitely have that conversation one day, and just maybe using social media effectively. But uh, thanks for being on the show. Uh, you're you're welcome to come back anytime. Uh, we, we appreciate you you being here. But hey, uh, for everyone else, thank you for listening or watching to the show. Please subscribe wherever you're listening to this. If you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Share this with someone else. Uh, give us a five star review on iTunes if you can. It really does help the show. And follow us on social media. We have that Facebook group. We have an Instagram account. We have a Facebook page um, <laughs> that you can go and like us as well. Uh, we don't have a TikTok. We don't have a Twitch. Maybe we'll get there one day. But with that being said, uh, I'm sorry. If you're watching the YouTube, this Delmar has been so distracting with the background. Uh, oh, man. With that being said, I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Delmar Pete. I am Andrew Larson. And I'm Timothy Miller. James Kleinitz. Thanks, James. <laughs> <laughs> and we are practically pastoring. See you next time. Man, that was incredible. <laughs> <laughs>